0: So, Janet, you want to update our listeners and viewers about what's going on at Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy. We just got done with another movement challenge, and um, you want to talk about that a little bit?
1: Well, um, we just had our Mount Everest challenge, and um, I think that was 50 miles of walking, biking, swimming, any kind of exercise that we could um, accomplish, and we had a great turnout. Most of the clients that are people that signed up enjoyed themselves. I think that was the, the main goal of a challenge is that we want people to just start moving. And it's at whatever level you are at um, because the body in motion stays in motion. And we believe that that leads to some longevity and and quality of life, not just numbers, but quality. I think one of the things that I've tried to impress upon my children is that life is something we need to enjoy and I think having these challenges does get us outside and after being locked up under restrictions in the last year or so, I hope that that was achieved by most of the people that were involved in it. Sound like with the comments that was the case.
0: Yeah and let's not forget a body in motion tends to stay in motion and a body not in motion tends to die. So let's not forget that part. So Stay tuned for our next challenge. A few weeks ago now, we had Marty Kendall from Data-Driven Fasting on our podcast, and he discussed um, Data-Driven Fasting, which is kind of like intermittent fasting, but not necessarily, because everybody should fast differently, just like everybody's exercise should be different, everybody's activity, everybody's diet should be different. So how we fast should be different. Um We can't all fast for 48 hours or 72 hours or 24 hours. It depends on many factors. It depends on our activity level. It depends on our bodies already. It depends on how much extra storage we already have on our bodies. So this data-driven fasting, we're going to do a challenge in July. I think it's July 16th or 17th this challenge starts. And I'll give you more information as we update it. Uh, at our pharmacy's uh, web page, our Facebook page and right here, of course, we'll update you on health solutions also. So what it's going, what it is, is it's where you check your blood glucose. And as we know, food spikes our blood glucose. When our blood glucose gets lower, we should be hungrier. So it is a system to help to train your body when you should be feeling hungry and when you shouldn't be eating your blood glucose is high that means you have enough fuel in your blood um, and extra glycogen also where you're producing glucose and you shouldn't necessarily be hungry so i'm super excited Um, i've already been doing it a little bit and it's very very good data to to gather Um, you can really gather what happens after you eat what happens before you eat what happens when you wake up um, what happens after you exercise it's definitely given me some data that really surprised me one thing that surprised me the most was that my glucoses are typically fairly well my glucose[s] are fairly consistent all the time when i wake up before i eat and when i exercise too now they run a little bit high almost borderline diabetic now let's realize as we said in this show many, many times before that labs are a tool to go along with symptoms and history. So my blood glucose does not spike very high when I eat and my insulin levels are very low. So just because you have glucoses that run over 100, which mine typically are over 100, even 115, even 120, mine run when I wake up or after exercise, That does not necessarily mean you're a diabetic my glucose my insulin my pancreas responds very very well my insulin levels are low so there again it's kind of like cholesterol we've talked a lot about cholesterol on this show and i've shared some of that in my social media that my cholesterol and my my total cholesterol and my ldl the bad cholesterol is both high but that doesn't necessarily mean I need to go on drugs to lower my cholesterol. My triglycerides are low. My HDL is high, partly because triglycerides get will lower when you exercise, and HDL is raised, which is a good cholesterol, when you exercise. So there's just more to the story than lab numbers. That includes glucose also. Um, so Janet, do you have any comments on that?
1: I do. So really what we're trying to achieve is just that we become more mindful of what we are putting in our bodies. Because as Americans, I don't think we realize how food uh, impacts us throughout the day. And if we have tools to use, um, it can be to our benefit as to how we want to proceed, how we want to eat, how we want to plan, and also just being honest to ourselves up front, because I think once we start charting things and looking at things, then we have to be honest to ourselves. And I think it's just a tool. Um, and like Sean said, everybody's going to have different uh, needs and different requirements. And that's the whole idea behind setting some of these challenges is that we learn about ourselves, learn about our habits, learn about what we need to change, um, and we do that on an individual level. So, um, you know, challenges are really to get us engaged. Um, you know, we're not looking for a gold medal. What we're looking for is people getting involved in their own health and taking responsibility for those things.
0: So I just got word that all the way across the country, Dr. Pran is in the hospital in an emergency case with a patient. So he's a gastroenterologist and we've had him on our show before. So I hope everything goes okay with um, his patient. I'm sure it will. He's an incredibly awesome doctor. and I'm super excited to have him on. He's a lot, little bit non-traditional when it comes to doctors and i think it should be more traditional because being a gastroenterologist he really um stresses how important diet is to our bodies and you know um if you go back to i don't know what episode it was but if you go to our youtube site the moses lake professional pharmacy youtube site and you go inside our videos and you you um search dr pran um he will You'll get get a lot of little videos from him about certain drugs that people are prescribed by a lot of gastroenterologists or primary care doctors that we might not need. Let's go into some of those. Um, he talked about PPIs. PPIs are proton pump inhibitors. Popular names are Prilosec and Prevacid. Janet, what are they used for and how long should we be on them or should we ever be on them?
1: So the only time... I feel it's necessary to be on those particular drugs is in a stressful situation. And for a very short term, you know, uh, no longer than a month for sure, um, because as we lower the stomach acid, then we lower our body's ability to actually digest food. And I will tell you for all the years that I've worked in pharmacy, getting a patient off of these medications, once they start them and they've been on them long term, it is almost as bad as taking them off street drugs because your body becomes so dependent on that lowering of their acid that when they start eating regular food, they just are dying with reflux. And and that's really not the intention of our stomach. Our stomach function requires our body to make acid to digest food on a normal basis. So we want to continue to do that. Um, we don't want that stomach to not have its normal function. So short-term use is the only time that I like to see it and, um, very shortly to promote healing um to help prevent a a a stress ulcer or something like that but that's that's the only time i would recommend it
0: yeah i agree with you 100 our our bodies are designed to have acid tummies okay the acid is there for a reason like janet said to digest food also to prevent bad stuff from growing um, you know, bacteria or anything that's ingested that needs to be killed, acid is really good for that. So um, our body should be acid and—or our tummy should be acid and absorption of nutrients, um, right. vitamin D, our minerals, calcium, magnesium. Think about what minerals are. Minerals are a very hard substance. Um, they need something to help break them down, and acid is really good at dissolving minerals. Duh! Um, our bodies are made to be that way. So, we do not need to be on long-term potent antacids to make our stomachs neutral. Um, if we're having problems with reflux, um, GERD, um, um, you know, any kind of gastroenteritis, it's probably diet-related. Find out what you're eating that triggers it. Also, don't eat as much. Also, don't eat late at night. Um, our bodies, you know, are— gastrointestinal tract follows gravity even though we have peristalsis and the motility and muscles in our body to help us move that food along gravity still helps so if you eat a big meal and you lay down it possibly could come back up i will tell you 11 years ago now when i lost 60 pounds i had reflux every morning i would get up and i would have reflux when i was in the shower and guess what i guarantee you if i would have went to a traditional doctor they wouldn't have said anything about my weight. They would have just put me on medication. And guess what? If I didn't lose weight, 11 years later, I would still be on that medication and probably many more because I'd have side effects from it. So um, change your diet. Diet is so important with many, many different diseases.
1: Well, there's there's other things that people can do to help um, besides, I mean, changing the food is the easiest thing to start with. There's also things that are over-the-counter that can help too. Probiotics help with replacing the good bacteria in our GI all the way uh, through our intestinal tract um, as well as our upper GI too. There's probiotics. There's also enzymes. Sometimes people are just having difficulty uh, breaking things down. Maybe they had gallbladder surgery and they're having trouble with fat. So learning what the difference between um, what irritates your gut or what irritates you and eliminating those things are are very helpful it's free eliminations free it's not like you're being charged a whole lot of money not to put something in your mouth and also then you learn what triggers you have and one of the things that we haven't talked about that we do talk about on our show too is that alcohol does irritate our stomach It irritates the GI lining, and so that can be a possibility as well. So, what we ingest, as far as liquids and drinks, can be it could be caffeine, too much coffee, too many uh, foods that are high in caffeine. I mean, there's lots of different things out there. So, you know, buyer beware, and you know, like we said, eliminate. Um, And being mindful of what you're ingesting too can make a big difference. And like Sean said, timing. Um, For some people, um, it could be just lowering the fat content to their food, or it could be mm-hmm. just the acid content too, because some foods, some spicy foods, um, you know, and the list goes on. So, you know, just research, look. And, uh, and
0: trial and error. Mm-hmm. If if you eat something and it causes reflux, don't do that. Right. And let's talk about some other drugs too. Alcohol, um, caffeine, Janet mentioned, um, also nicotine, all those you know, um, they change the lower esophageal sphincter pressure. So it makes it harder to keep food down. So nicotine, caffeine, and alcohol. If you're having GERD problems, get rid of those. You don't need a drug like a PPI, Prilosec, Prevacid. Um, Change your diet, get rid of some drugs that are uh, offending agents. There's also some some over-the-counter drugs and prescription drugs that have side effects, um, you know, I can think of some of the antihistamines and things like Benadryl for allergies, things like that, that are anticholinergic that also can affect that lower soft sphincter pressure. So make sure you know about those drugs and or that, what you're taking. And if you guys have any questions, please feel free to give us a call. And I'm at Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy and Janet and I can can help you with that.
1: So another thought before you go on further is as a nation, we drink a lot of soda and anything that's carbonated is going to be sometimes it can be helpful and sometimes it can be irritating. So, you know, keep those things in mind.
0: That's correct. So today also, because Dr. Pran had an emergency, um, this is going to be our show to talk about anything and everything, and I want you guys, the listeners and the viewers, to ask us any kind of questions, so put any kind of comment on Facebook. Um, we're also streaming, no, we're only streaming live on Facebook right now, and because you know why we're streaming li- not streaming live on YouTube, because we've gotten censored a bunch of times and they threaten to take our account away, so we're not streaming live on YouTube, but stay tuned, because we are looking at some other options. We are on Rumble also, um, but we don't stream live there yet, so but you can also give us a call. You can chat with us uh, 509-537-0411 and um, our phone lines are are open. Um, so let's talk about some other diseases that are typically there's drugs prescribed and you might not need drugs. What, when Let's talk about GI diseases since Dr. Pran was going to be on. Um, let's talk about IBS. Janet, what is IBS?
1: Well, irritable syndrome is kind of a catch-all for a lot of different things out there. Basically, in my mind, it's an inflammatory process that's happening in the intestinal tract. And again, it probably is linked more to our activities. It could be stress. It could be food. It could be lack of sleep. Um, a lot of different issues that can be let in there. It could be allergies. Um, lump it all into one. And I, my gut feeling is that over time watching patients that There's probably something in the lifestyle that is causing inflammation, and it can um, be something that we might be able to fix without putting people on medication.
0: That's exactly right. In fact, if you look up our episodes from prior, our prior episode with Dr. Pran, um, and I suggest you do that. He talks about IBS, and he's a gastroenterologist, and he doesn't believe in diagnosis at all. Um, I'm thinking about irritable bowel syndrome. I mean, seriously, what is that? Um, that's well, something. Like catch a, all. Yeah, it's a catch-all. It's like yeah. you're having gut issues. Well, um, if you're having gut issues, I would probably think that it has to do with your diet. You don't have a deficiency in some kind of drug, especially you know some kind of drug that's going to cause any kind of side effects. Why would you want to do that? Change your diet.
1: Well, foods that are high in fat that we forget about are our processed foods, like our fast foods. Are you know really can put some pressure on how much bile we're creating and and that can give you issues too. And so, you know, cutting out foods first before jumping on to the bandwagon of adding a drug that can have side effects is, is kind of what we're going with what our talk because you can eliminate something and figure out what's irritating you, then you might eliminate the whole problem.
0: Well, and let's face it it's not just fat i mean i'm not we're not saying fat is bad um those processed foods also have a lot of carbohydrates let's say what's bad is just overeating and your body can't handle that much so it's about portion control or
1: too much of one thing i mean if you if if you're eating guacamole which has good essential oils in it or fish a lot of times you're not having that bad feeling if you're going down that road of not producing enough bile. So um, the reason I'm throwing the fast food out there is because that's something Americans digest on a regular basis. And sometimes they are irritated by it. So That's
0: right. So speaking of moderation, Janet, um, one thing that you've always taught me and you've taught our listeners and viewers is you've always talked about moderation. That's kind of what you grew up learning. That's what your dad, that's what your dad taught you. Will you talk about moderation when it comes to maybe just diet but maybe other things too what about moderation
1: well we have on our show many people that have very varying views and and um, what works for them or works for their clients or their patients and on a professional level I am I totally support that for them um, those doctors and practitioners out there that find what works for their client I'm not knocking that so just remember that but I believe that God gave us fruits vegetables grains And meat to eat. And um, that comes all the way back to the first book in the Bible in my brain. And my dad always said, it's not about not having something to eat. It's about how much you're having to eat and keeping it in moderate so moderation. And I believe that can be very true in just trying to eliminate things that irritate us or even just things that we enjoy to eat. If we're not eating the same thing every day and we're using seasonal foods and working those in and, and not just having one item, I I think that that gets us to a point where we're going to have nutrients from different places and we're going to enjoy our food. I, I personally don't believe in eliminating all things from our diet unless they cause allergies or they bother us or cause inflammation. I believe all the food groups are there for our enjoyment. It's just like my dad said in moderation. And he also believed that with alcohol too. It's if if we overindulge in, in one specific thing, then, you know, even water, if we get too much water, we can we can kill ourselves. So, Absolutely. you know, we have to keep it in moderation and, and that means not excess and that can be different for each individual. Obviously, my husband can eat a bigger steak than I can and that's just how we are different and finding those places um, where it's healthy and healthy choices is what, what the goal would be.
0: Although I can tell you that my wife can eat more better than I can. She grew up on a dairy <laughs> farm. So she eats it by the spoonful. sometimes. I catch her doing that every once in a while. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's funny. By the way, by the way, Janet, um, very, very good information there. You are super smart and you are definitely making our goal of educating and empowering our consumers about their health. Um, Super smart. Super proud of you. There's a reason I married you. I can tell. Um, Okay. So let's talk about some other things when it comes to diet. This one. I tell you, it's not only near and dear to my heart because I have family members and friends that have it, but we have so mistreated it in our healthcare system. It just fires me up, and that is diabetes. And I'm talking type 2 and type 1 diabetes. So what is the difference? Um, I've been ostracized on social media before. And people say, I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to type 1 diabetes because they say that, uh, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about because I say they have to watch their diet and it's an insulin, you know, they don't make enough insulin. And I I get that. Believe me, I'm a pharmacist. I, I, I think I know diabetes pretty well, okay? And the difference between type 1 and type 2 is this. Type 1, years ago when we learned about diabetes, when I learned about it in pharmacy school, and before that, it was kind of changing when I was in pharmacy school in the mid-90s, early 90s. We used to call it juvenile onset and adult onset diabetes. And don't quote me on these numbers, but I'm just, they're just kind of all relative anyway, and it's just kind of to get a picture in your head. Fifty years ago, um, 90% of all diabetics were juvenile onset. That's also what we know as type 1 diabetic, Diabetes. And that is where their insulin does not, their pancreas does not make enough insulin. Um, we kind of figured that out in the 1920s, actually, and that's where we pioneered using insulin to save these kids' lives. Um, we used pork and beef insulin to save their lives. Uh, that the you know we use insulin from the pancreases of beef you know, cows and, and pigs. And it worked wonderfully. And you can see these before and after picture of these kids because insulin is anabolic, i.e. it takes glucose out of the body, out of the bloodstream, um, into the tissue. And if you can't do that, you will literally just waste away. So these kids would not be able to gain any kind of weight and they'd be super skinny and they are just atrophying, um, give them insulin. Next thing, you know, a few months later, they, you know, they're just growing like normal. So, that's what insulin does it takes blood glucose out of the body or out of the blood bloodstream into the t- to be absorbed in the tissues okay and type 1 diabetics they don't make enough insulin type 2 diabetics make a-, a lot of insulin enough insulin they're just resistant to it so now 80% of all diabetics are adult onset that's an old term um they're type 2 so and and let's it's not The reason we changed the term from adult onset to type 2 is because now, unfortunately, yeah, we've got kids that have type 2 diabetes. Why? Because they eat like crap and they don't move. So they are insulin resistant. I either pancreases are making enough insulin, but their body does not respond to it. They're resistant to it. So they got to keep making more and more and more or to bring their glucoses down or They've got to um, do exogenous, you know, inject exog- exogenous insulin. So I am going to tell you right now when it comes to type 2 diabetes, this is a strong statement. I get it. It's a very powerful statement, and it's coming from a pharmacist. I do not believe in medication to treat type 2 diabetes, period. There might be some specific instances where they have a little bit of type 1 diabetes in there that I might, I might make exceptions, but let's face it, type one or type two diabetes. Diabetes mellitus literally means honey siphon. Um, it literally means that you are peeing out sugar. That's what it means in Greek, hun- diabetes mellitus. So your blood glucose is too high and you'll start spilling sugar into your urine, whether it's type one or type two. How do you lower your blood sugar? Well, with type 1, you can give them insulin. With type 2, if your insulin's too high, how do you lower your blood sugar? Stop eating. Right. Especially carbohydrates. You can lower your blood sugar by not eating carbohydrates. Stay tuned for our challenge, our Data-Driven Fasting Challenge, in July through our pharmacy, Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy, because we will have a challenge where you'll be checking your blood glucose in this challenge, and you will know how you're what your blood sugar is and you will know how it responds to eating and you may or may not be surprised. I was surprised. Um, I can rationalize some of the, a lot of the stuff now, and I like gathering the data. Um, but I was a little bit surprised and it is nice to know. So stay tuned for that. So if you're type one diabetic, you need insulin exogenously. I get that. If you're type two diabetic, how do you lower your blood sugar? You've already got enough insulin. So how do you lower your blood sugar? Well, there's two ways. One way to lower your blood sugar is stop eating carbohydrates or stop eating, period. And the second way is to exercise. Move. Why is your blood sugar high? Why do we have, why do we have blood sugar? Our blood, blood, our blood glucose is a, is a primary mechanism. I know the people that are all keto, they're going to argue with me on that. But still, we always have blood sugar floating around our bodies. We do. If you don't have blood sugar, you will die. So we use glucose. Also, we call it blood sugar, but it's actually glucose as fuel. We use it as fuel. So if you if your blood sugar is high, you can exercise and it will bring your blood sugar down. All right, so type one, type two diabetes, they are both carbohydrate metabolism problems, period. Yes, they are treated different and they manifest differently, Both of them are carbohydrate metabolism problems. Whether you are a type 1—I should go—let's go backwards with that. Whether you're a type 2 or a type 1 diabetic, you should watch the carbs you eat. Now, traditionally, what do we do in the traditional healthcare system, especially with with kids with type 1 diabetes? My nephew is a type 1 diabetic, and I warned my brother that this was going to happen when he was diagnosed with diabetes and he was in the ICU. Don't worry about what you eat. You can just turn on your turn up your insulin pump. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's not good recommendation at all. You need to worry about what you eat. That same dietitian um, also said that well, we don't want to deny diabetics, their cake. We don't want to deny kids their cake or their candy, you know, so we give them more insulin. Well, let me, th- let me just tell you right now, I'm just, I, I'm just not gonna pussyfoot around it anymore, okay? I just wanna be honest. If we don't deny diabetics their cake and their candy, we'll deny them of their eyesight and their kidneys and their feet. Have you seen diabetics that had their feet cut off because they have poor circulation? Yeah. So if you're a diabetic and you're not watching your diet and you don't care about your glucose, that's what's gonna happen. Medication is not the answer. You have to change your diet. My brother shared a story this weekend. He was down in, I think it's called South Padre Island, south of San Antonio, I think. And he showed me a picture of three people in the pool. And do you remember, you know, 40 years ago? Obviously, some of you won't. But 40 years ago, when I used to go to the pool as a kid, there, were, there, was, there might be one fat kid in the, in the pool, but there weren't that many. Now you go to the pool, and all the kids are fat. I mean, which they're on their way to type, they're on their way to type 2 diabetes. So my brother Shane he he sends me this picture of this guy that has he's in the pool and he's morbidly obese over 100 pounds over overweight and he's you know I mean he's set up I mean he's his doctor's got him set up he's got a continuous glucose monitor I mean he's rocking it he's doing great while he's sitting there in his lazy chair feeding his face full of junk but he's got it all figured out he's got a glucose monitor so I am not trying to beat up on diabetics at all. I'm really not. I just want to be honest with them. I wanna be honest so they know the truth. If you don't watch your diet, if you don't control your diet, you will end up being blind, having no kidneys and no feet. Um, So I like to tell everybody that diabetes is a carbohydrate metabolism problem. You must watch your diet, period. And if you have any questions on that, you can always call us at the pharmacy 509-764-2314. Janet and I can um, walk you through some steps on to how to change your diet, how to change your lifestyle, because um, you know we're not traditional pharmacists, we really aren't. You know, first of all, our, our pharmacy is a compounding pharmacy, and if you know, if you know our story a little bit, you know that we kind of changed our model a few years ago, um, almost twenty now, when we decided that we did not want to. We thought, you know, giving people medications to treat these diseases that are diet and lifestyle related is just enabling them. We want to educate and empower consumers that they're in charge of their own health. And that's what we did. And we, it, we are so passionate about it. And that's what our goal is. It's not, it's not very common for a pharmacist to try to get Diabetics off of medications, or to try to get anybody off medicate any kind of medication, but that's kind of our goal. We believe in health and wellness long term, so diet, exercise, and of course, you know, we do compound a lot of customized hormone replacement. And hormone replacement, I believe, is a good tool to go along as we age to go along with um, lifestyle type changes. Um, let's talk about that. Many diseases that women and men get. Um, can be prevented if their hormones are properly balanced. Um, let's talk about women, for instance, uh, or men, osteoporosis. How many people out there are on medications for osteoporosis? Well, why were, there, why were their bones just fine when they're 35? Is it because our bones just start getting weaker and weaker? Is it because we're not eating enough calcium? Is it because we don't have enough vitamin D? Uh, both those play a part, there's no doubt about it. But think about it, what happens as we age? Our hormone levels decline. So as we age, our hormone levels decline. Um, estrogen, we know, um, decreases bone breakdown. It decreases osteoblast function. Um, I'm sorry, it increase, it, incre- it decreases osteoclast function, which breaks down bone. It doesn't build new bone though. What hormones do build new bone? Progesterone and testosterone. Testosterone increases osteoblast, which help to build new bone. Think about this. Men get osteoporosis also. Absolutely, they do. Um, But when do they get it? They usually get it later in in life. Is it due to lack of estrogen? No, it's not due to lack of estrogen. It's due to lack of testosterone. So you want to prevent osteoporosis? You don't need some drug like Fosamax um, to treat it or prevent it. You need to have your hormones balanced. And testosterone, there is no better bone-building drug than testosterone, period. So don't forget about that. Many other benefits, too. Heart health. You know, unlike what you hear in the media about testosterone causing heart attacks, think about that. Let's just use a good analogy. With, um, you know, I don't even like call myself a scientist. I'm just trying to be rational. And when I heard about testosterone causing heart attacks, and there was a black box warning on on some of the drug on some of the testosterone therapies from the FDA because it caused heart attacks, it didn't make sense to me. And think about this, as men. When is our testosterone the highest when we're like 19 right okay well 19 year olds aren't dropping like flies from heart attacks so the thought that testosterone is causing heart attacks doesn't make a lot of sense to me now and just remember this association does not prove causation so that's a whole other topic we've got it we've actually got a lot of information on that if you go to our youtube site the Mosley Professional Pharmacy YouTube site. We have a lot of videos on testosterone. Type in testosterone, you will get more information than you've ever wanted on testosterone. So that's one of the reasons we do this. All right. So what are some other drugs that hormone can that hormones can prevent you from being on? Uh, we talked about osteoporosis. It can prevent. Um, let's see. Let's talk about women. Um, our most popular medication is called Estriol vaginal cream. It's just an estrogen vaginal cream. I prefer Estriol because it's more specific to vaginal tissue than some of the commercial available products and it doesn't cause proliferation of tissue like estradiol does. And of course, Premarin, um, another option would be Premarin Premarin vaginal cream. If you guys don't know where Premarin comes from, I'm going to tell you. Premarin stands for pregnant mare's urine. Yep, that's what it is. It's horse pee. Um, I don't ever recommend—I would never recommend it to anybody. We've got a lot of options um, besides Premarin. I don't think Premarin should ever be prescribed. Speaking of beef and pork insulin, when we were talking about that, we don't use beef and pork insulin anymore because we have human insulin. Why should we use Premarin? If you're on Premarin, give us a call. We can give you some options. Please. Thank you. s vaginal cream, what does it help? Atrophic vaginitis, vaginal dryness. As we age, the vaginal tissue can get dry um, because of lack of estrogen. Estrogen can help that. But also, what else can it help? Um, Prevention of urinary tract infections. How many, you know, older women have urinary tract infections? They never had it when they were in their 30s, so now all of a sudden they need chronic antibiotics? No, they need estrogen vaginal cream. Use it a couple times a week. They'll never have UTIs again. All right, never is a strong word. But the, the, they'll have a lot less frequent ones. Also, urinary incontinence. How many, how many women as they age have problems with their bladder? Well, they don't lack a drug. They lack estrogen. You give them estrogen either topically or orally systemically. And a lot of times those symptoms will go away. So as always, we're taking callers anytime. So 509 764 I'm sorry, 509-537-0411, taking callers, um, and i just love to answer your questions, so please comment and on 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 uh, Facebook, and we can take any of your questions. You can always catch us, um, 1230 to 130, every Monday, Civic Standard Time, on my personal Facebook page and the Mosaic Professional Pharmacy page, um, also on all the podcast forums, so... Google Play, iTunes, all those, all your favorite podcast forums, uh iHeart all those, and we're adding them all the time. So, you know, we just added Rumble a few weeks ago. I'm looking at some other options. I just did my first TikTok video um, yesterday, so check out my TikTok account. And I'll speaking of that, also, so we would love you to follow me on Twitter, Sean Needham on Twitter. I have a LinkedIn um, page also, and of course, my Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is Health Solutions as Sean Needham. I'd love for you to follow me there. We're really trying to grow our social media so we can just reach more people, and 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 in doing so, just educate and empower others that they are in charge of their own health care. So it looks like we're about winding up today's show. Um, I missed Dr. Pran today, but we will reschedule him. I hope everything's going okay with his patient again. And Dr. Pran, we missed you. Thursday, let's see, 8 to 9 a.m., we have um, Brian Westlake on. He's a physical therapist. He's on the East Coast, and he is going, he has a physical therapy practice. He's going to be telling us about some of his special modalities. And here's another thing. He is a cash-only physical therapist. Why is he a cash-only physical therapist, which means he doesn't take insurance? Well, because he, like in our pharmacy, at Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy, we believe that all insurance does is make th- makes, makes things more expensive, decreases quality, and decreases service, period. That, that I can prove that over and over and over again. When we deal directly with a consumer in healthcare without an insurance company involved, the service is going to be better, the quality is going to be higher, and the price is going to be lower, period. We talked about it many times on this show. I wrote a book about it. It's all about free market solutions. It's all about you making the decision to take charge, charge your own health, and that includes financial, and we show you some ways how to do that. So, Sickened, How the Government Ruined Healthcare and How to Fix It. Stay tuned. Uh, tune in Thursday with Brian Westlake, physical therapist. And you don't want to miss that episode. And today's been a great episode. Thank you for listening. Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham.